It is fantastic. everybody and welcome to this edition of the overtime podcast presented by the cold front report i'm one of your two co-hosts clayton garrett you can find me on twitter at cfr c-l-a-y-t-o-n and joining me as always jeff uvino you can find me on twitter at real j uvino so here we are in the midst of thanksgiving season the bills are getting ready to head to dallas on a short week as they have a game against the dallas cowboys on Thanksgiving Day, the Bills' first Thanksgiving game since 1994. It's been quite some time since the Bills have been put on this stage. And it's not just the 8 o'clock game. It's not the noon game. It is primetime. It is all eyes on the Bills. It's practically a primetime game playing at 4 o'clock on Thanksgiving when everybody's going to be watching. Everybody that's not early Black Friday shopping, that is. So the entire nation is going to have their eyes on the Buffalo Bills. But before we get into the matchup, Let's talk about how the Bills performed against the, the Denver Broncos, beating them by a score of 20-3, to absolute dominating, dominating performance on the defensive side of the ball. The offense, they had a good day in my opinion. Jeff, what were your overall thoughts on the Bills' victory over the Broncos? Well, I'll tell you what, Denver was never in that game. They didn't have a chance to win that game from the first kickoff. The Bills' defense completely dominated, and when the Bills were up 6 nothing, it felt like it was 20 to nothing. You know, Denver couldn't move the ball at all. They couldn't run it. They couldn't throw it. Um, and just completely dominant effort by the Bills defense. Um, I was satisfied as well with the play of the Bills offense. You know, I, I thought that they were kind of in that in the middle territory where some people would say, oh, it's still not good enough. Um, and some people would be satisfied. I'm in the satisfied camp as far as how the Bills offense played. I would have liked to see them um, convert one of those early drives into touchdowns where they had the two field goals. I would like them to score on one of those instead of kicking it, but I I'm happy. I need McDermott says score 20 points and that's what they did. And it, it was, I was really pleased by the bills effort. I thought it was their best game of the year so far. Now, when you say a dominating performance, I think it's, it's absolutely comparable to the dominating performance the bills had against the Redskins. Now you look at that game, you compare it to this game. Obviously the Redskins are a far lesser opponent, but the Bills allowed less points to the Denver Broncos. The Bills, they didn't score more points, but they scored almost as many points. And they had 400 yards of offense against a defense that averages a lot, or that allowed, on average, 310.8 yards per game, which is good enough to be the fourth best defense in the NFL. And when we're talking about the Bills' success on the offensive side of the ball, almost on a week or on a week-to-week basis, having 400 yards against a defense of that caliber, that's very promising. While the points, they weren't really there in the game, obviously. They only had four scoring drives, two field goals, two touchdowns. When you look at the overall performance and how three-dimensional this victory was on all sides of the ball, defense, special teams, and offense, you look at how the Bills performed on special teams and how it set up the Bills' offense with a lot of short drives that the Bills, in turn, score points with those drives. Andre Roberts, I want to talk about Andre Roberts real quick. Because this has really been one of the best additions that this front office has made that we really aren't talking about. I know I'm not the only one that remembers when the Bills would just trot out Micah Hyde to field a punt, and that'd be that. Now, I'm also not the only one that remembers the Bills didn't have a kickoff return for a touchdown since 2014 coming into this season. And going up against a special teams unit that was ranked 31st in the league as far as yardage allowed per kick return – it seemed like Andre Roberts was ready to break both kick returns he had, or all three of the kick returns he had this weekend. Yeah, he's speedy. He shot out of a cannon. And 
the Broncos punter had that one bad punt that was 13 yards. But other than that, he kicked the ball pretty well, and he kicked the ball high in the air, and Roberts had a couple good returns. Um, and it goes a long – field position goes a long way. It goes a lot longer than people realize. You know, I mean, you start the drive at midfield, that's huge compared to starting at your own 10 or 20. Um, so the Bills have always kind of been a team where people have said, oh, they have good special teams. You know, I, even when the, they were bad for forever, they were like, oh, the Bills are good special teams. They're not good offensive defense, they're special teams. So it's, it's good to have. It's good. I'm also uh, – speaking of special teams, I'm glad to see um, Hauschka has gotten back on track over the last couple of weeks. They've, they've had a lot of volume for him, which is good. After he had the, the bad game a few weeks ago, it's good that he's getting kicks in in games – um, not just extra points. He's getting some field goals and get his confidence back. So, uh, yeah, please buy the Bills special team play. Hauschka being five for five after that game in Cleveland is absolutely huge for his confidence. He has a 50-yard field goal in there as well. And, you know, maybe he's silenced some of the critics. I'm not I'm – not, my, my concerns are completely put to rest when you consider everything with face value. Now, the Bills are really starting to pick up steam, winning two of the last three, two consecutive games. This is the time of season – where football team, where the good football teams separate from the bad football teams, where the contenders separate from the pretenders. We could sit here and talk until we're blue in the face about the Bills' strength of schedule. We can talk about the teams they've beaten. We can talk about the teams they've lost to. We can do this all night. But that's not really relevant, I don't think. Obviously, it's important to consider when you talk about who the Bills have beat, all that kind of stuff. But the Bills are taking care of business. There have been seasons prior that the Bills have had one of the easier schedules in the National Football League, yet they didn't take advantage of it. Yet they still lose these games that they quote-unquote should win. And we both called this Denver game a must-win. We called it a must-win as far as AFC uh, playoff standings is concerned. And the Bills answer the call. And they're really starting to pick up, on, pick up steam everywhere, all across the board, offense, special teams, and defense – you are starting to see a completely different almost mentality from this football team on all, in all phases. And beating teams that you quote-unquote should beat is the mark of a great football team. That's how you pick up wins because you're going to have to play tough teams at some point in the season. We're seeing that coming up here the next few weeks with the Bills. They have to play at the Cowboys. They host the Ravens. They have to play the Patriots again. You're going to have to play those teams eventually. But the teams that are consistently at the top of the standings they take care of business against the weaker opponents. We had talked about that at the very beginning of the year when the Bills started 3-0, and they beat ups on some bad teams. We said, that's what you're going to have to do to put yourself in a position to make a playoff run. So you have to beat those bad teams, and that's exactly what they've done. There's numerous factors that go into how the Bills have been winning football games these last two weeks. Now, we had the conversation throughout on numerous other episodes of the variety of which the Bills were winning football games and whether we were happy about it, whether we were content, satisfied, whatever you want to call it. We weren't too positive of the quality of those wins, despite them still being wins at the end of the day, a win is a win and a loss is a loss, but we weren't too confident with the trajectory of the team with the way in which they were winning football games. Now you look at these last two games, it's a matter of consistency and these last two games this t- I said the, the victory over Miami was a building block, and the Bills had to build off of that going up against a better defense, the offense specifically, because that is where the Bills team has been lacking for a majority of the season. But we are starting to see a turnaround here at the most important point of the season. And when we had 
Matt Perino on a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the Bills only had two returning starters on this offense. And we've, I've said it in other episodes as well. And, you know, maybe we didn't cons- – I, I can gripe about the Bills taking too long to develop chemistry, taking too long to, to grow together as a football team, as a unit on the offensive side of the ball. And growing pains are still a thing. And in my mind, it was almost inexcusable. It was foolish to say that it's still a thing when you're two-thirds of the way through the season. But here we are three-quarters of the way, and the Bills are starting to develop chemistry. They're starting – you see this hurry-up offense. They're starting to develop and starting to show in games. And I think that's absolutely a sign of this offense building chemistry on that side of the ball. And the Bills have really looked like a complete team the last few weeks. You know, there's been games where they played better on one side of the ball than others, or, you know, a couple of players had good games while others struggled. They really played, they really played as a unit. The defense, there was not, not a single weak point of the defense. I could go on and on tonight about how well each individual player on the Bills defense played from the, from the defensive line to the backers to the secondary. And I'm glad that they've won these last two games and their confidence is up going in to Jerry world on Thanksgiving, because they're going to need it. They're going to need to go in there and not let the stage get to them. It doesn't matter that you're playing the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Now to me, it scares the hell out of me that you're playing the Cowboys on Thanksgiving because they're used to that. Everyone in that organization has been doing that for however long because they get the Thanksgiving game every year. And here come the little old bills who haven't beat anybody all year. But what's exciting about that on the other hand is they don't have anything to lose the stage can intimidate them or they can use it to their advantage that they have nothing to lose. Let's shock the world and go beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving and show everybody what Buffalo Bills football is all about. Because I tell you what, there's seasons where teams say that a team like, I know the Niners are really good this year, but a West coast team that you don't really get to watch that much every week is an eight and three. You don't know a whole lot about that team. It's a team that usually doesn't play that well. Right. I, I mean, I, I don't I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but a team that has gotten off to a great start this year, they might be for real, but they're usually bad. So eight and three could just be a fluke. I'm thinking that's what a lot of people are thinking about the Buffalo Bills. You know, I, I mean, do you do you agree with that? Not a lot of people get to watch the Bills every week. They might I, think, how, oh, how are the Bills eight and three? They're not that good. You know, they're not like other eight and three teams like the Saints or the Packers. You no, know, they're not. They're not them out and show the whole country that on Thursday it's a great opportunity the Bills they're gonna have their backs against the wall and this game opens up as the Bills being seven and a half point underdogs against the Dallas Cowboys and while that may be a bit intimidating both teams are coming off of short weeks Dallas having the tougher opponent in my opinion after losing a game to the New England Patriots in which they, I, I believe they only scored three field goals they didn't put it yeah, in the end at, at New all. England too at New England it's and a tough to absolutely terrific downpour that was an absolute that was a hard game to watch it was ugly but they're on a short week and the bills are going to have their backs against the wall and this is a real this is a game in which the national media and i normally don't give much credit or give much give much time to care about what the national media says about the bills because the bills are a small market team and as you said they're not going to give the bills much credit even when it's due so this is a game in which the Bills can leave the stamp on, this, on the league. It really is. You will have all eyes on you. This is, the, this is the game on Thanksgiving Day, the Dallas Cowboy game, and the Bills are set up at 8-3, and three, and the Dallas Cowboys are 6-5, and five, and they very much so have their playoff hopes in the balance. They need There's to a win. Good the Cowboys need to win soon. 
the Cowboys have to win. This is very comparable to when the Eagles came into Buffalo having to win almost all of their games, and it started with the Bills. And it's very comparable to the Cleveland Browns having to play the Bills in Cleveland, having to win all of their games. And they're currently just one, spot, one game out behind the Pittsburgh Steelers as far as the sixth seed in the AFC is concerned. The Cleveland Browns had to win that game to keep, out, keep their playoff hopes alive. This is a game in which the Cowboys have to beat a Bills team to keep their playoff hopes alive in a very competitive NFC conference. You look at the situation the Bills are walking into, and while it's an intimidating one, it's one in which we're going to find out a lot about this team. It is a testament to a lot of things. Almost every area of this football team is going to be tested. And it's a very interesting game. It's a very interesting matchup. And it's one that, personally, I'm excited for. Do I think the Bills are going to win? Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see. I'll, I'll get into that when we get into our keys to victory and predictions later in the show. But it's one where we're going to find out a lot about this football team. We're going to find out a lot about how legit that this team is. Because even us included, we have speculated almost all season how legitimate is this football team. Well, it's really going to come to a head Thursday night. Yeah, you're right. And people outside of Bill's circles cite that the Bills don't have a quote-unquote signature win or a quote-unquote real quality win. And here's, an here's your first opportunity of the season to get one. You know, And it, it doesn't get any easier after this either if you're the Bills. So you, you might as well buckle up and put your head down and play your ass off this week. Right. Now, before we go any further, I want to talk about the offense specifically. Because in a presser last week, Josh Allen stated that this offense has, founded, has found their identity coming off of the 37 to, what, 20 win over the Miami Dolphins. Now, I wasn't sure how much substance I could really give to that statement because part of me is saying, okay, maybe they found their identity. Another side of me is saying, eh, it's kind of coach speak. It's kind of just player talk. Have they really found their identity? I'm not sure. I've seen one game in which they look competent. But now they come out there this week. And as I stated earlier in the show, they had 400 yards against the fourth best defense in the NFL. And they had 20 points against a defense that on average allows 19.7, which is good enough to be the sixth best scoring defense in the league coming into that game. And they ran for over 200 yards. They ran for 244 yards. Has this offense found their identity? You asking me? Um, I will be... I feel like my answer to that question will, would vary from week to week. So I don't want to be like, yeah, yeah, they, they're, they're freaking good now, man. You know, cause, cause I, right now they've played well the last couple of weeks. I'd say, yeah, but you know, go do it on the road at AT&T stadium in front of 110,000 people or whatever Jerry packs into there. You know, I, I, I think my answer right now would vary too much going week to week, but I'll tell you what, Allen has played very well the last few weeks. I love him running for first downs. Um, you know, he made the one mistake, you know, let's say he, he threw his first pick in what, six games, five games. I, I'm not bothered by making the one mistake. It happens. Um, but they Singletary and Gore both ran the ball very well. I mean, Singletary had 20 carries for 103 yards, right? Yep. So, and Gore ran well. Um, Allen played well. John Brown was quiet for most of the game until he beat the defender with a double move and made a great play on a touchdown that I cringed when I saw his elbow skid across the turf because after playing football on turf myself, I know that sucks, and he's going to have that for the next two weeks. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, they just, I said that the Bills played well every, in every single aspect on Sunday. And so that makes me want to say, yeah, they found their identity. But I'm going to take a little more convincing, I guess, for me to really be confident in the Bills' ability to do it week after week. Because I think if I'm going to say that the Bills have found their identity, I'm confident in them, that's me saying that they can do it in a playoff game. And I don't think I'm quite there yet. I'm, I'm in the same exact boat as you. Because while we've seen two solid performances consecutively for the first time this season, I'm not convinced. I've been not beginning enough sample size to be able to pound the table, say, yes, this is the Bills' identity. This is who they are on the offensive side of the ball. Because matter of the fact is, we've seen a putrid offense far more this season than we've seen a, a competent one. Yeah. But this is, this is the interesting thing in my mind, is you look at the two games in flux here, the, the, the Miami game and the Denver game, time in which Josh Allen said that, quote, we have found our identity as an offense in between those two games. So take yourself back to the... Miami performance in which Josh Allen threw for over 250 yards. He had over 300 total yards. He's running the ball over the field. He had four total touchdowns. He threw it all over the field on the Miami Dolphins. Now take this past Sunday as an example, while considering what I just said, the bills ran for 244 yards. Devin Singletary had 20 carries averaging five yards a pop. They ran the ball down the throat of the Miami Dol of the, of the Denver Broncos rather. And Josh Allen, he didn't light it up like he did against the Dolphins. He didn't have 300 total yards like he did against the Dolphins. He had an efficient day in which he had 175 passing yards, 50-plus uh, rushing yards, 225 total yards, a good day for Josh Allen, but an efficient day at that. So that's where this conversation starts to become interesting because – I'm quite confused by what exactly is the Bills' offense identity. Now, while that might sound like a negative statement, it's really not. Because when you say the Bills' offense has found their identity and you take these two games into account, you have a game in which Josh Allen goes off and he throws it all over the yard against the Miami Dolphins. Then you have another game in which the Bills ran all over the Denver Broncos. So what's the Bills' identity? Maybe the identity of the Buffalo Bills' offense is an offense that can beat you in any which way, that can target, no matter what your weakness is, can target that said weakness and can beat you however they choose to beat you. And that is a promising and encouraging aspect when you consider how bad the offense was in the early portion of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. I would call them maybe a quote-unquote dual threat offense. They can pass it and they can run it. They're just not elite in either of those aspects, you know, they can do everything well, but they can't, they don't really do anything great. You know, I mean, they don't have the passing attack of the saints. They don't have the rushing attack of the Cowboys. They're, they're just solid all around the board. You know, there's not, it's not like past bills teams where they've really been a, a running team and don't throw them the ball a ton. I think that having Allen gives them more of an ability to throw the ball, but yeah, they can, they can beat you either way. They're just not great at either. They're not, a great passing team. They're not a great running team, but they're a good, they're good at both of those. Now, another interesting thing that I've seen for two weeks in a row now is this hurry up, up tempo offense. And I alluded to it earlier in the show. I remember covering the team in preseason and this was something that they were instilling. I remember it was a huge marketing thing. They brought in Jim Kelly to talk to Josh Allen and practice during training camp. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. Some of you may not, but Point being, the Bills were trying to install this hurry-up offense, 
early in the preseason, and people are saying, oh, the Bills are going to run the K-Gun. They're going to run the K-Gun week one against the Jets. And my real thought was, you know, that's not something you really want to show week one. That's not something you really want to show the first six, eight weeks of the season. And now here we are in the the home stretch of the season, and the Bills are breaking out this hurry-up offense. And they used it to tire out the Denver Broncos defense. And when I think of a hurry-up offense, and I think of an efficient one at that, I think of an offense that is not only going to get these small plays, not only get the plays that keep the chains moving, but also big plays that are going to tire out a defense. And you take, take everything with face value, as I've said on prior shows. You have a defense that was currently fourth in the league as far as yards allowed per game. The Bills came out, I think it was like two or three series in a row with that hurry-up offense. That's like a body punch in a boxing match. No, that body punch, that's not going to knock a guy out in the first round. But if you body punch him for five rounds, he's going to be feeling it come round eight, round nine, round ten. And you have that, that, that boxer fatigue. Now translate that to the football field. You use this hurry-up, up-tempo offense. You use it for three drives. Okay, come the third and fourth quarter, that defense, they're wore down. You're, you're in the eighth, ninth, and tenth round at that point. They are worn down, and that's where the Bills started to have their big plays in that game. And that's an interesting thought to think that the Bills might have been saving this until the second half of the season. And I saw that on Twitter as sort of, somewhat of a popular opinion. And if that's the case, then I think that's great that they have been able to adapt over the season and now kind of implement, implement this thing. And if, if we're talking about a whole new offensive, I don't know if new packages, but new, you know, style of outlook. play outlook. Yeah. That they're playing with. That's scary. It's scary. Good to think about, you know, I don't I don't know if I, if I have a lot of confidence in Bill's offense to, you know, become this juggernaut the rest of the season. But if it's something new that teams don't have a lot of tape on that they can implement here now that they're starting to play these higher quality opponents, then that's, that's, it's great. That's great news if you're a Bills fan. And you look at the personnel they run on the field with this offense, and I watched it closely this past week, and after watching the film against Miami, it was, there were parallels. The personnel is 11 personnel. You got John Brown, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, and Devin Singletary in the backfield. Think about – or and Cole Beasley in the slot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Think about all of those players and think about what they have in common. They're arguably all the best skill position players on this roster, and they're also all players that have shown chemistry with Josh Allen in in-game situations. And one might question me when I say that, when I bring up Isaiah McKenzie, when Isaiah McKenzie was brought to this football team midway through last season, he seemingly had the best uh, chemistry with Josh Allen out of nowhere amongst that Bills receiver room outside of Robert Foster, in my opinion. And Isaiah McKenzie, he averages almost 10 yards a touch this season. He's a player in which Josh Allen is confident in. You, you go, go back to the 2018 tape, of Josh Allen the second half of that season. While the offense overall, the production was downright awful at times, he looked at, at Isaiah McKenzie early and often in those football games to move chains, to make plays while he's running out of the pocket. He is comfortable throwing the ball to Isaiah McKenzie. And then you have Cole Beasley, who had seven catches this past week, and John Brown, who we all know how outstanding he has been in his first season in a Bills uniform. And Dawson Knox, who, in my opinion, is the best tight end on this, on this team. I mean, that's without a doubt. 
And I think he has one of the most promising futures amongst the young tight ends in the league. And Devin Singletary, who currently averages the most yards per carry amongst any running back. The personnel in which they run this hurry-up, up-tempo offense in is certainly a favorable one to the young quarterback. And if the Bills can get offensive production from some of their secondary receivers, you know, outside of Brown and and Beasley, excuse me, it makes the offense a lot more dangerous because teams can hone in on a receiver or two. You know, that we've seen the Bills do that all year with Trey White and whoever else covering um, big play receivers from other teams. But if you can have those secondary players be effective and call plays that can keep them involved, it makes your offense a heck of a lot more dangerous than it would be if you just have a couple players at the top. And we, I, I've said it before, the offense lacks potency. It lacks that big player, or, or excuse me, that big play potential. Mm-hmm. And we, we may have seen it the last couple weeks with John Brown, but there's not multiple of those, or, or there's not numerous of those players on this offense. So when you don't have that skill set as far as your personnel is concerned, you have to make up for it in other areas. And I think the Bills, or the Bills attempting to make up for it is this up-tempo offense. Now, something I saw this week, and I've seen the last two weeks, and I touched on it last week a little bit, killer instinct. Here we are, fourth quarter. The Bills are up 10 points, 13 to three. And in the early portion of the season, something that I would come on the show and talk about is how the Bills are trying to run out the clock, how the Bills are just trying. It seems like they're trying to escape. They're coaching to just run the clock out rather than dominate their opponent and put their throat and say, this is our victory, and we're taking it right here. Go back to the Miami game. I brought it up last week. The Bills were still taking shots with a 20-point lead over the Miami Dolphins. Now, while it didn't result in points other than the one long touchdown to John Brown, come back to the Denver game. The Bills are up 10 points. They're in Denver territory. And John Brown and Josh Allen connects with John Brown in the end zone for that touchdown to seemingly close that game out and put an end to any little hope that the Broncos had in winning that football game. Mm-hmm. That is a killer instinct. That is the kind of instinct I want to see, not just this offense, but this quarterback have in their mind. The we're winning. But here we go. We're going to win by more mentality. That's the kind of thing you need to do against inferior opponents. And that's the kind of thing that will keep you in games against these tougher opponents, against these, and in some cases, superior opponents. That's the kind of mentality that will keep football games close no matter who the opponent is on a, on a given Sunday. And also having the confidence to, to play aggressively when you're winning. You know, it's not when you're playing more conservatively, it makes me think, all right, if we play aggressive, we're going to make a mistake and change the momentum of this game. But so we're winning. So we're going to play conservatively. But if you play aggressively, it shows you're confident. We're not going to make a mistake. We're going to continue to do what we've done all day. It doesn't matter what the score is because we're not going to turn the ball over. We're going to score on you. And if we don't score on you, we're going to make every effort to do so. And you talk about confidence. And that is something that Josh Allen has been oozing in these past two victories. I don't think we're giving enough credit to the Bills' young quarterback that he deserves. Since week four against the New England Patriots, Josh Allen, and this is just throwing. I'm not talking about his rushing touchdowns. He has thrown 12 touchdowns, just two interceptions. Wow. Now, that one interception he threw against the Broncos, I think that that may have been a miscommunication. When the film comes out, that'll be, we'll be able to dive deeper into that. But it seemed like either the ball just sailed on him or he was expecting someone to run a different route. 
and the ball, it just went right into the hands of Justin Simmons. But he hadn't thrown an interception in five games prior to that. And another interesting stat on Josh Allen, he is the longest active streak amongst quarterbacks to have two or more touchdowns in a game with seven. Hmm. That is the longest active streak in the National Football League. Every single quarterback. He is the only one amongst any quarterback in the NFL to have two or more touchdowns in seven consecutive games. And with that, he ties Jim Kelly's record. And if he does it against Dallas, he will have sole possession of that record in the franchise. I know it might be a bit early for this statement. I think Josh Allen is legit. A year and a half into this young player's career, I think Josh Allen was legit. And you see the kind of way, the, the ways that he defeats defenses. He's a dual-threat quarterback. You watch him evade, three, uh, evade two linebackers in a defensive end this past week on third and five, deep in his own territory, and scramble for 18 yards and a first down. How many quarterbacks in the National Football League can make that kind of play? How many? Now combine that with the fact that he can, he can do all the things he can do in the passing game. Josh Allen is limitless of where and how he can throw the football. Does he have areas he needs to improve? Absolutely. I am not denying that. But we are currently 12 weeks in going into week 13 in the 2019 season, just the second season of this young quarterback's career. And to say I'm all in would be an understatement. I think Josh Allen is legit. Well, when you start pulling out the Jim Kelly comparisons, people get real excited then. Bills fans get real excited when they when they hear a player compared to that name. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sold on Allen, but I think he's played very well, and I'll give him a lot of credit. He's really turned his year around. He struggled at the beginning of the year, turned the ball over a lot, and he's really strung together a, a few nice games here. Um, I think that a lot of people, when they were talking about um, grading Allen – when he was struggling, they said, oh, well, you got to give him to the end of year three. So I think that now that he's been playing better, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to, to do the same, give him the same until, um, or I mean, if the, as far as, you know, grading him and as far as saying, is he a legitimate quarterback or not? Because if you're, if you're making that, if you're giving him that timetable when he's struggling, I think it's only fair to do it when he's playing well too. Now, if he goes on a run here the rest of the year and plays great and plays great in the playoffs, then yeah, sign me up. There I am. I'm sold. But I'm, I'm, I want to give him a little more time. You know that I'm haphazard in making big statements. I don't know why I am. I just, I don't know. I just am. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm going on a limb when I say Josh Allen was legit. And if you told me that I'd be saying that at this point in the season in August, I would have told you you're crazy. We could have said that about a lot of things this year, eight and three. Right. I mean, that wouldn't have been too surprising to me, given how I thought the Bills' schedule shaped up. But, yeah, I think Josh Allen is it because he has that it factor. We talk about a football player that oozes confidence, swagger, that winner mentality. The guy was a de- – nobody likes to talk about it, but the dude was a Tom Brady fan growing up. And we can, we can sit here and say and piss and moan all day about how Tom Brady has X rings and he cheated to get whatever – but he's the winner. There's a certain mentality that individuals have to have in order to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. Go back to that interception that I, that I alluded to earlier. What does Josh Allen do? He, he sits on the sideline. He may have looked a little, a little discouraged if you were just judging off of his body language. 
but he comes out there. He doesn't allow one mistake to turn into multiple mistakes. That one turnover, that was it. He continued to have an efficient day. He continued to call the right, to make the right reads, to find his open man. And as a result, the Bills offense had a productive day and did enough to beat a solid Denver Broncos defense. They did, and we, and we can only hope that Allen's going to keep it going, you know, that he, that this isn't just a little fluke here the, the last month or so that he's played well. So now we can talk about what he has to do if he's going to go on the road and beat the Dallas Cowboys. Right. And I think there's one, there's one bit I want to talk about that has to do with beating the Dallas Cowboys. And that has to be that, – that, that is Brian Dable. Now, everybody knows about some of the rants I've had on this podcast about how bad Brian Dable is. And I'm not off that island, but I'm kind of starting to get the boat ready, if, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So, look at what Brian Dable's doing with this offense. He moves up in the booth, and the Bills' offense is starting to develop some sort of identity, as we've talked about. Let's not lose sight of Brian Dable and how the, how the NFL as a whole works as far as offensive minds. Good example of this, Zach Taylor. He was a quarterback coach for the Rams, and no one really considered him a head coaching candidate, yet he's in Cincinnati being a head coach for the first time in his career. Brian Dable, at the end of the season last year, was getting head coaching, job, was getting head coaching consideration. That after having one of the worst offenses in the National Football League. And I think we'd all be lying to ourselves if we said that if the offense continues on this trajectory, if it continues to progress, if Josh Allen continues to develop in the right, in, in the right areas, I don't think it's completely insane to talk about Brian Dable getting a head coaching job. Because if he's getting considerations after the offense that fielded last season, if the offense continues to produce the way it has, that's certainly in the realm of possibility in my mind. Well, if you want to ask, ask my opinion, I wouldn't hire him. I wouldn't that, either. Yeah, I mean, that's not, to say, that's not to say that other NFL teams won't be interested because of this or that, or there's analytics that they're looking at, and the analytics say Brian Dable's going to turn us around and blah, blah, blah. You, know, number, you can make numbers say anything you want. I would not hire him, and I'm not convinced – that he is turning things around. I think it has to do as much of Allen as it does with him. But I will say him moving up to the press box, we said that could be a game changer and maybe it has whatever, you know, I mean, there's a, obviously a reason that he did that and the offensive has played well since he's done so. So if that can be a thing to turn it around, then great. You know, maybe maybe that's what they were lacking. As as dumb and as little of a thing as that is, maybe that maybe that's what it was lacking. And I no, I <laughs> I would not hire Brian Dable as a head coach. If I were some football team, if I were the Washington Redskins or the New York Giants or some team with an with, with a head coach that may be gone after this season, I would not go to the Bills, look at Brian Dable, and say, "Yep, that's my guy." I would not do that. But that doesn't mean that it can't happen. That doesn't mean that it necessarily won't happen. Because either way, despite the success we've seen from this Bills offense, as you said, I think it has a lot to do with Josh Allen. Absolutely. And maybe Josh Allen 
is going to earn his offensive coordinator a head coaching job. And that, that, that is something that a lot of organizations are going to look at. His body of work, his quote-unquote body of work with the raw developmental quarterback that was Josh Allen when he came out of the draft. That is going to be something that every organization that's looking for an offensive-minded head coach, because that is how the NFL works. That, that, that's how solid structures work in the NFL now today. I think it certainly could happen. And while it possibly might not, I'm still not convinced that I want Brian Dable to be the Bills offensive coordinator come the end of the season. I'm not convinced in that area that he should be the Bills offensive coordinator at the end of the season. And assuming that the Bills make the playoffs, assuming, assuming that they're in a playoff game, how the offense plays in that game and how and Dable's play calling in that game will have a ton of influence on, on the topic that we're talking about right now on his next job, because that's when people are really watching. That's when people are really saying, okay, can you do it for us when it matters? Cause that's every organization's ultimate goal, right? Is to win playoff games, get to the super bowl and win it. So I think that if you put Dable in a situation where he's coaching an offense in the playoffs, I think that will have as much to do with it as this, as the whole regular season combined. Right. And that's a very fair assessment. Now, We've given the offense a lot of love, but we can't go through this podcast without talking about how dominant the Bills' defense has been. Now, you, you can say what you want about the talent at the quarterback position that they've faced the last two weeks, but I'm, I'm not going to talk bad about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I might talk bad about Brandon Allen, but I will not talk bad about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, Jeff, what has been your thoughts on the Bills' defensive efforts these past two weeks? Completely – in unison, there hasn't been a weakness. Everybody has played well. Their tackling has been great. Matt Milano made a couple of great tackles yesterday in the open field. I think open field tackling is so huge. They've Trey White, you can't say enough about Trey White and what he's done. He's going to have another test this week. You know, he's going to he's going to be probably be tested every every game the rest of his career if he's if he's if he's known as one of those guys they can shut down a big receiver. Almost every team has a big receiver for him. So I, they've just played so well as a unit. The pass rush has been a lot better. Um, they're not allowed. They're not getting gashed by the run at all. I mean, it's hard to say anything bad about the defense after what they did to the Broncos. And I understand the Broncos offense is bad, but still they're an NFL team and the bills played really well. And I'm excited to see what, what they can do against the Cowboys offense that has a ton of weapons. Cowboys offense has, has a lot of ways that they can score on you. They're really a complete offense, and it's, it's a good test for the Bills D, who has been playing tremendously well. It's a huge testament to this defense and a real test. Really, honestly, their first real explosive test this season going against the best offense in the National Football League in terms of yardage per game. And what I've really seen from this Bills defense is more of an aggressive mentality. I mean, they've executed all season long, but there's a difference between executing and executing aggressively. Look at how these players are flying to the football. Look at how these players are tackling in open space. These guys aren't just trying to bring you down. They're trying to bring you down with authority now. And that's a difference that I've seen since the Miami game. And it seems to be the trend with this defense. And it seems to be the mentality that they're taking on. They're starting to take on more of a ruthless aggression mentality. And that's one in which I can completely support. I can get behind that all day because that's the kind of mentality 
that I liked in my players as a coach. That's kind of the mentality I liked in my teammates and myself as a player. And that's something that can definitely make a difference throughout the course of a football. And you look at how they do it. The Bills, they, we've talked about on prior shows about their inability to pressure the quarterback with just four. And you see them start – they have 11 sacks in the last two weeks, and that is the first time since 2014 that they've had more than 10 sacks in a two-week span. That's, that's quite a long time to have that kind of sack production as far as your defense is concerned. And the reason they can get away with sending multiple guys at the quarterback is because of how good they are on the back end. We have players like Trey White. When you have the, when you have the tandem on the back end with, Trey, with, with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, and while I believe the corner ops to Trey White, whether it's Levi Wallace or Kevin Johnson, is a bit suspect and the jury is out on that spot, that doesn't mean the Bills' back end is any less talented. The Bills can get away with sending extra rushers at the quarterback with as talented as a secondary as they have, and it's really made the difference these last two games. Trey White is, has had such a great year. I mean, he could be an all-pro. He has been so good. I mean, once, Thank when, you. When's the, last time, when's the last time someone had a big game against Trey White? And it's not like he's doing against nobodies. He absolutely shut down Odell. Odell Beckham Jr. Shut him down. Odell had what three catches, maybe, and you can talk about how you know there's there's the the penalty called on White on the goal line the, where they threw the Browns threw the goal line fade to Odell and you know Trey hacked at him. It was an obvious call. Sometimes that's what you got to do. It's better to, to do that than allow a touchdown. You know, and it ended up working out for him. Trey White could be an All Pro this year if he has a good rest of the season. I mean, think about I think who he is an All Pro. I I personally. I'm on that island as well. I think Trey White, screw the Pro Bowl. Screw whatever shit show that is and what, wherever city they play that now. Trey White yeah. is an all-pro. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how he does against Amari Cooper this week. Amari Cooper had zero catches against Stephon Gilmore this past week. And Gilmore, since he's come to New England, which I hate, I hate it, but he's become one of the best corners in the league. I, the ugh. best corner in the league. Ugh. It's, ugh. It's such a... <laughs> His well, Bills drafted him ninth overall. Eleventh, twelfth, twelfth, same thing. Ugh. Well, well, as Trey White's contract comes up, I hope they don't make the same mistake. Oh gosh! Yeah. Gilmore, well, the Gilmore wasn't that good in Buffalo. I thought he is the best corner in football. But in, in Buffalo, he struggled in Buffalo. And it when he went, a- and when Bill Belichick handed him money, he completely changed the dynamic of that defense. And the New England no longer just went to Super Bowls. They started winning them again. Well, that's an example of players going to New England and being better that they, than they were anywhere else, especially in Buffalo. Let's talk about Trey White. We're both on that island together. Trey White is an all-pro in the National Football League. And we talk about small market teams not getting the credit he deserves. If Trey White's in New England, this guy's an all-pro, no doubt. If Trey yeah. White's in New Orleans, he's an all-pro, no doubt. Look at these numbers. He's been targeted 66 times for this season. He's allowed a completion percentage of 56%. He's only allowed 415 yards, a quarterback, a passer rating rather, of 49.7, zero touchdowns. Zero touchdowns, three quarters of the way through the season. This guy is an all pro. Get this guy to the Pro Bowl. It may be irrelevant. It may just be some patty cake fest. Call it what you will. Get this dude the credentials he deserves. And when the time comes, Brandon Bean, give this dude the money he deserves. Yeah, and the whole small market thing, you know, that's just the way she goes. 
you know, it's, it's the way she goes the, with the whole not being in New England, you know, the biased. I get it. Being a Yankees fan, I get that whole thing, you know, everything's bigger in New York. Blah, blah, blah. But here's, like we've said all week about, and this is not just Trey Way, everybody on the Bills. Here's your chance. Here, here's everybody in America who has off of work for a day and is all gathered around a television at one time. Here you go. There, I mean, you can't ask for a better opportunity than this Thursday. I mean, the 4.30 Thanksgiving game, like you said, everyone in the world's watching it. Everyone in Western New York is eating Thanksgiving dinner at 2 o'clock so that it's not during the game. I am. It's noon. <laughs> noon. There you go. Screw <laughs> you the Because you need time to get your nap in, too, before the game, huh? Your Damn post-turkey right. nap. Damn right. Yeah, yeah so I – here you go. Let's do it. Let's get it this week. I'm fired up. I want to. I want to pick the Bills, but I'm. Who knows if I'm good or not? Here's your chance, Buffalo. Here's your chance. Same with Here's Cole Beasley. Yeah. Here is your chance. Oh, it's the most ad- but, animated I've been on this podcast ever. Jeez. Two two wins and uh, Kool Aid will do a lot to you, right, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you said, here's your chance. Oh, here it is. Shaq Lawson. Oh. I want to talk about Shaq Lawson because may, it may have not been on this podcast, but in the Bills, Twitterverse, Facebook, wherever you choose to talk about the Bills, I've talked a lot of trash about Shaq Lawson, how I thought he's a bum, how I thought he didn't belong on the football team, how he not only didn't deserve the fifth-year option, he didn't deserve to be on the team. He should have been traded for something. Should they be in clowny? But Shaq Lawson, I'm a person that can get behind a kind of story like this because we talk about people that can adapt, evolve, and overcome. Shaq Lawson was drafted by the Rex Ryan and Doug Whaley regime, and he is the only player left from that regime that was drafted by that head coach-GM combination. And that's a testament to the player that he is because obviously – this regime would not keep him around if they didn't find him valuable in some area. And Shaq Lawson was a first round pick by this team in 2016. And my, my complaint always was, is yeah, he's a great He's a solid run defender, but you don't draft run defenders in the first round. And here he is in a contract season with the most sacks he's ever totaled 12 weeks into the season, five sacks this year, two in this Denver Broncos game. This guy's coming for the bag. He's coming for money. And while I, I can't really tell if it is a fluke season, if it is just one of those situations in which a player is having a contract year, so he is going to play for the money and say what you will. But I've seen a different Shaq Lawson. Point being, Shaq Lawson has been, has been turned into a completely different player since Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean took over a one-bills drive. You look at the player that was on this team in 2016, and compare that motor, compare that drive, compare that hustle on the field to now, Shaq Lawson adapted to a new regime coming in in which all of his mates that were drafted by the previous head coach and general manager were either shipped off, cut, traded, whatever. They weren't with the team anymore. He is the last man standing. He adapted, he evolved his play style, and now Last, last May, the Bills opted to not give him the fifth-year option. Well, here he is in the contract year, 12 weeks into the season, and he's having his best season in his career. 
he overcame that doubt that the front office had in him to not give him that fifth-year option. And it's like I said with players on offense, um, like Foster and like McKenzie contributing. Shaq Lawson doesn't have to be one of the stars on the defense. They have the personnel for, for him not to do that. But if he can be a great player as one of your secondary guys really making an impact, it makes you that much better. Like I said with the secondary receivers on the offense, if your secondary players can play well and have seven, eight sacks in a year, it makes your defense that much better than if you're just top-heavy. Right. And I talked about Shaq Lawson being a solid run defender. Coming into this game, I'm not really sold about the Bills' run defense, in all honesty. While it was a solid performance against a solid one-two punch with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, it's a game in which running backs had 15 carries for just, what, 77 yards, and that's mm-hmm. good enough for five yards a carry. It didn't situationally make sense. It's, much, it's very similar to the Redskins game in which Adrian Peterson was having a solid performance until the Bills had a lead in which it didn't make sense for the Redskins to continue running the football. Yeah. So the Broncos had to abandon the running game. It's not like their passing game was having any resemblance of production this past Sunday, but they had to abandon it situationally as it didn't make sense no longer. So I, th- I don't think the Bills' run defense is out of the woods just yet. Well, again, we're going to find out when they face Ezekiel Elliott and some great linemen like Zach Martin. And, uh, you know, we'll find out. Yeah, we're going to find out. All right. <laughs> uh, so. Which I can, which is as bad as I want to say the Bills can beat the Cowboys. I can just see, I can just hear Jim Nance saying right now, Ezekiel Elliott powers through, which at least I don't have to listen to Joe Buck say it because that's what my instinct goes to when I hear Ezekiel Elliott, as Joe Buck and Troy Aikman going on and on. So now we get to hear Romo. So thanks every major uh, television station in the country for hiring a former uh, Cowboys player. So no matter who we get, what station we get, we get to listen to them uh, call the game. So I I can just hear Jim Nance saying, Ezekiel Elliott powers through. (laughs) I, I don't know. I'll be surprised if the Bills can really contain him and contain Cowboys rushing attack which you obviously don't want the game to be a shootout because you're going to lose. But right. we'll uh, – I, I, uh. You know, I, with both broadcast teams, there's a former Cowboys quarterback back, Troy Aikman and uh, Tony Romo. I, I, I wonder yeah, if that's what any, I was saying. That's, I wonder if there's any bias with either of those yeah, broadcast teams. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Must, I, must be, I didn't, must be I, my words got jumbled. That's what I was saying. Is, you know, which I go back again. There's lots of Yankees, former Yankees on all the baseball broadcasts, so I understand, you know, America's team, whatever. But, yeah, I um, – Well, I'm America's team America's team's six and five and clinging to strings of playoff hopes currently in the, in the NFC. Well, we talked in the right, sorry, they're in the right division though. Oh yeah. They're, they're in they're. the right division <laughs> in that, in that, in that uh, conference. I'll say that, but right. sorry. We, we've talked about it enough. Jeff, I want to start with you. What is one of your keys to victory in beating the Cowboys in AT&T stadium on Thanksgiving day? The Buffalo secondary Trey white shut down Amari Cooper, shut down Randall Cobb, shut down their passing attack and make them beat you on the ground. If they're going to run the ball over, over you, then that's fine. But don't let them be two dimensional. Don't let Dak have a big game. Your a secondary absolutely needs to play like it has the last few weeks because 
if you force Dallas to run the ball, you hope that Leslie Frazier can make some adjustments to where you can slow them down some. But if, if the, I just feel if the Cowboys receivers have a big day, then it's, it's, it's going to be a loss on, on the defensive side. You know, the Cowboys offense has so many weapons that I think eliminating half of their attack will be huge, 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 huge. Make them run the football. Make them get into situations where they have to run the ball because when you know it's coming, it's a hell of a lot easier to stop it than when you're guessing. I was surprised to find out Ezekiel Elliott only averages 3.72 yards per touch. Now, that's, hmm. that's including catches. That's including rushing attempts. 3.72 yards per touch. Hmm. And that this is, is just – this is just the second time in his career in which he has gone three straight games without a 100-yard performance. Oh, God, so you're telling me he's due. I'm not telling you he's due. I'm telling you he's hungry on Thanksgiving. Well, and yeah, that is definitely one of my I keys to, to see is the damn feed me. Yay. <laughs> is he going to jump into the red kettle again this year, Clayton? It's not that time of the year yet. Not that time of the year. I think oh. that's, that's a Christmas thing. Oh, well. <laughs> well that's one of my keys to victory as well keep Ezekiel Elliott quiet you must keep Ezekiel Elliott quiet as you said you have to eliminate one of the dimensions of this multi-dimensional offense they have a solid passing attack the best passing attack in the league and a great rushing attack to boot and I think the ultimately the matchup that's going to matter the most in this game I'm, I'm kind of confident with Trey White covering Amari Cooper. I'm far more confident. Actually, I should say I'm far more confident in Trey White covering Amari Cooper than I am with either Levi Wallace or Kevin, jo Kevin Johnson covering Michael Gallup. And Michael Gallup doesn't get a lot of credit. And he's, a, he's really one of the most dynamic players on that offense in an offense that has playmakers seemingly everywhere. He is a really good player on that offense. And that is a matchup that I'm going to be watching all day on Thursday <laughs> as I think that is going to be the key. You have to contain Michael Gallup, whoever it is. Levi Wallace, show everybody you're legit. Okay, you've been inconsistent all season up until these last two games where you're facing scrub wide receivers. And I don't like, I don't like calling players or professional scrubs, but that's what it is. You face scrub wide receivers these last two weeks after having consistent performances for seven consecutive games. If we're talking about players or this team proving themselves that they're legit or proving everybody that they're legit – this is the week for Levi Wallace to do that. Levi Wallace going up against Michael Gallup or Kevin Johnson going up against Michael Gallup. Somebody win this damn competition. This is the week to do it. Yeah, and we can, so we can agree that they need to take one dimension of the Cowboys offensive away. If they can do both, wow, that would be amazing. But they're probably not, you're probably not going to take away both their rushing and passing attack. So at least do one and limit them and hope you can get to your 20 points like McDermott says to do. And that's enough to win the game. That's all you can hope for. As far as offensive keys to the keys to victory, Cole Beasley have a homecoming party. Cole Beasley spent the, the spent every year in his career prior to this season in Dallas. This is a guy that has always had a chip on his shoulder, undrafted, small college, small slot receiver. Yeah. He's tiny. Five nine. He's pretty small. <laughs> Smaller but, than me. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a guy that's going to be hungry. This is a guy that's going to come into this game, for lack of a better term, pissed off against a team that, according to him, didn't utilize him the right way, didn't involve him the way that he should have been, that was undervalued in Dallas, that was insulted by Dallas fans when he signed with Buffalo. I want to see Cole Beasley 
have a career day, not just a Buffalo career day, an overall career day against his former team on their, literally their stage, their marquee game of the season, the Thanksgiving Day game. I want to see Cole Beasley show out. And he has had solid performances in the last two games. This is the game in which I expect him to go off. That would be absolutely huge. And my offensive key is for the offense in general to not be overwhelmed by the situation. I said earlier in the show, it's going to be a matter of, are they intimidated by the stage or do they play like they have nothing to lose? If they play like they have nothing to lose, I'm confident in the bills to give this Cowboys team a run. You know, the offense, Allen, especially go out there, gunslinging, be aggressive. I think Dable, I really think Dable's going to call aggressive plays this week. I, I really am confident. He knows they have nothing to lose. The whole organization knows they have nothing to lose going in there and playing. If you get beat, you get beat. So go out there and put, put the pedal to the floor. I think if they play, if they play aggressively and they play confidently, it's going to be a great football game. I, and you can't fall behind early either. You can't do that. Cause then you just get, you get washed under the carpet and, the game's a loss. You got to come out strong, which I, I, I use as a key to every game, start the game. Well, and you made an interesting point there. Come out lights out and don't be intimidated by the, by the moment. Don't be intimidated by the stage. And that's something that we really haven't seen Josh Allen do yet. We haven't seen it. Not that he's had many opportunities on a big stage, but go back to that new England game. I understand they're two completely different beasts, but they're one of the only that's one of the only examples in which Josh Allen's on a stage in which it's all right, man, let's do this. Yeah. Josh Allen, the Bills were three and going against the three and New England Patriots. That game would likely decide the AFC East four weeks into the season. And he looked like a deer in the headlights through three really dumb interceptions and just didn't look like himself. I 110% agree with you that that is the largest key to victory this week. Josh Allen, be composed, be yourself, have that swagger, have that confidence and hand this defense things they can't handle. Because in my opinion, I don't really care what defense it is. Josh Allen's a playmaker. He is a natural born playmaking winning quarterback for the national football league. He needs to go out there, play his best game of the season. Maybe even not. Maybe that's not even the, that doesn't even have to be the case. Maybe he doesn't have to play his best game of the season, but he has to make plays. He has to arise to the moment, and that is 110 percent the biggest key to victory. As the offense's overall production hinges on it. And with that, Jeff, I want to hear your prediction for this interesting matchup. Well, I'm going to say it every week until I'm wrong. I am 11 and 0 picking Bills games. I've been right every single time. I really want to pick the Bills this week really bad. I, I can't. I, I can't. Come on, your undefeated streak weighs on it. I know. I'm going to pick Dallas 23-20. to 20. I just feel like the, it's I, – I, I, as confident as I want to be in the Bills' ability to go out here and play a big game, I just, I just feel like Dallas isn't going to lose in this game. They have to win. You, you talked about the Eagles and the Browns two teams that that pretty that really had to have some urgency in winning against the Bills. They both they both beat them. I think that Dallas circles this game as you got to you've got to start winning now, you know, now that we were 6 and 5, but we still have an opportunity to make the playoffs because of the division we're in, but we got to start rattling off some wins here. And I think that it'll come down to late in the game. 
it'll probably be heartbreaking because it's the Bills. You know, they'll probably Dallas will score late or Allen will throw a pick late on when they're driving. You know, I think it's going to be a great game. I think that as with the Bills as seven and a half point underdogs, I think they're going to cover. Um, but I I can't pick the Bills as much as I want to. Dallas twenty three to twenty, they went late. Now, I'll just rip the band aid off. I'm picking Dallas twenty four thirteen. Now I I'm just like you. I don't want to pick against this football team. I. I think they're a really hard football team to beat. Both of these teams are really yeah. hard football teams to beat. But as, as you touched on, there's season ways on this victory. And now that might sound a little crazy as far as an AFC, NFC opponent, your season ways on it, but it does. As far as overall standings, you don't want six losses needing four victories in the last five weeks of the season to get to the postseason. So Dallas's season hangs on this, on this game. Now, saying that the Bills are going to lose this game, that doesn't mean that I don't think they can. Yeah. I don't. Th- yeah, I think, I'm in the, I'm feel the same exact way. I don't think it's absolutely out of the realm of possibility that the Bills are nine and nine and three come Friday morning. I don't think that is impossible. I think this Cowboys team is beatable. I just don't think that the Bills are really just there yet. They're not there yet to match up with this football team and come away with a victory. I've only picked against the bills once this season and while it makes sense if, if this is some sort of friendly competition between jeff and i that at the end of the season whoever has a better record someone has to chug a beer or something maybe maybe i would be more more um more more encouraged to pick the bills this week as that'll get that'll I think oh you, you gotta two, make up some ground I, I think you have a two-game lead over me maybe that'd make a little sense but as far as being pragmatic as far as analyzing deeply and and just I, I mean, it's not even about being right. I, cause I hope I'm not, I really oh, hope yeah, I'm wrong either. this Screw week me. because this is a team that Bills can beat. And we talk about momentum and we talk about heating up the right at the right time of the season. As I talked about earlier in the show, this is a game that weighs a lot on that. And you have a 10 day rest heading into heading into your home stadium against Baltimore. If you have a three game winning streak heading against one of the arguably the best team in the AFC, that is a huge momentum swing. The Bills are going to walk into AT&T stadiums with their backs against the wall with virtually nothing to lose. And going up against a team that if you look at them for player to player, starter to starter, the Cowboys outmatch almost every football team in the National Football League. But where, they're, where, they're, where their uh, mistakes come in is their coaching staff. And I'm, not, I'm just not confident picking this football team over a team like the Cowboys. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, no matter what happens, we're going to have a lot to talk about on next week's show. Absolutely. You do not want to miss next week's show as we're going to preview the Baltimore Ravens. And we're going to talk about however this Dallas Cowboys game ends, because without a doubt, it's going to be an interesting one here at the end of the show. Jeff Uvino, please tell the people where they can find you if they'd like to. You can find me on Twitter and bitch at me about whatever I have to say at real J U V N O R E A L J U V E I N O. And with that, don't forget to follow the Cole from Report on Instagram, Twitter, and like us on Facebook. That's at Cole from Report on Twitter, at Cole from Report underscore Bills News on Instagram, and Cole from Report colon Buffalo Bills News on Facebook. And if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter is at CFRCLAYTON, and my Instagram as well, if you'd like to find me there, that's at CFRCLAYTON, the same exact handle. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cole from Report.